All right, I hope you're ready. We are starting a series today, a multi-part series called Suit Up, and we're looking at the armor of God. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and hold that spot. That's where we're going. But we are going to talk about spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And uh, right away, I want to just say a thank you uh, to Rick Renner for an amazing book called Dressed to Kill. I read that as I was studying for this series Um, Wonderful book, 464 pages if you're interested in reading it. Uh, It talks about the armor of God, but I want to let you know I'm going to be heavily relying on that commentary as a resource in this series. He did a wonderful job. But it's important for us to look at spiritual warfare, look at the armor of God. And whenever I say spiritual warfare, I'm sure that there are some people in the room that you're like, all right, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And then there's others that are like, oh no, pastor, don't do anything crazy. Just dial it down. And then there's other people we got to ramp you up and, and make you aware that there is a spiritual warfare, there, you know, spiritual battle that we're fighting. And so I've got to crank you up. And I understand there's all the different groups. And we're going to try to do this in good balance, all right? We're going to try to really approach this in a very balanced way and uh, make sure that we're aware that we are fighting a spiritual battle. And I want to let you know that in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul writes about this, but he doesn't write about it only there. He also writes about it in 2 Corinthians 2.11. And he's saying, I'm writing these things in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. Okay, so we believe that there is a real devil that is coming against us, that is in spiritual warfare against us. And I will say this, that I have my work cut out for me because only 27% of the Americans, the adult Americans, believe that there really is a devil. Now, you may say, well, that's probably all the Christians, right? They all believe that there's a devil, and that means that maybe only 27%. Sadly, um, only four out of 10 of those that say that they're born-again followers of Jesus believe that the devil's real. So that means that I really have my work cut out for me. It means that even in this room, there are probably people that are saying, oh, no, Pastor Rob's preaching on spiritual warfare. He's going to talk about the devil. I don't even think the devil is real. And I hope that at the end of this series, you'll understand that there is a real devil, that we are in a battle against spiritual forces, and uh, we have the power of Jesus Christ to overcome that, but there is a real battle that we're in. Again, we're going to keep this in balance. Um, I know that when I grew up, I was in a church that... We sang a lot of songs, and they were songs, a lot of times they'd sing songs, you know, and devil was included, you know what I mean? They'd say like, you know, I command you, Satan. How many of you have to point down when you're doing that? In the name of the Lord, to take up your weapons and flee, you know, and they do that, you know? And how many know, and they'd say like, Satan is under my feet, and you'd have to stomp when you do that. It's amazing any visitor ever came back, you know what I'm saying? So maybe you were raised in a church like that too. We won't do those songs. But yet we are in a spiritual battle. Now, uh, in the New Testament, the term war or warfare is mentioned five times. I want to let you know that. And most of the times when war or warfare is mentioned in the New Testament, it's with your mind. And I'm going to tell you this, that the battle is in your mind. The enemy will attack you in your mind to get you to be defeated, to get you to do things you know you shouldn't do, to give up on the things you know you should keep pressing in. It's a mind battle, all right? And I want to let you know that that's the attack that he does. And I can just illustrate this. When I was in India recently, um, 
I, I went with our global team, and we get to India. I'm jet-lagged. I'm tired. You know, we've traveled to the other side of the world. Um, I'm taking malaria medication, and malaria medication um, heightens your anxiety. So I'm, I'm battling a little anxiety. I'm tired. Um, I get there. I think I'm going to be an observer of this crusade that we're doing. Um, I get there, I find out I'm the preacher all week. I didn't bring any sermons with. I mean, I thought I was an observer uh, for this, you know, festival and for the crusade. Um, I look around the town and there's ten to 20,000 posters of God's man of faith and power, me. And uh, <laughs> like you see your face on a bus going by, you're like, oh my, you know, yeah. And, uh, and then we go by the polo grounds. They've rented the polo grounds, and they have these stadium lights and all this. And they're like, are you ready for tonight? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and in this moment, this is what was happening. I start getting attacked in my mind, and the devil does his best. He says, you are going to fail. You are going to fail. You are not good enough. You didn't pray enough. You didn't fast enough. You don't have any sermons with you. You are not an evangelist, by the way. You're a pastor. You don't understand Indian culture. You understand America, and you are going to be a failure. And that's what's going on. And as I'm seeing this in the, you know, the bus is going by my picture and this, and I see all this stuff in the stadium grounds, and, and I'm tired, and the anxiety's rising, and I start realizing this is a spiritual battle that I'm in. And so I immediately text home to my wife, Becca, and I said, you have got to start praying for me. I am struggling with a battle right now. I texted a few pastors. I said, you have to pray for me right now. I grabbed the team together. I said, pray. I grabbed my Bible, and I started writing scriptures down on a note card. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a love and a power of sound mind. I called upon the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I'm writing these things down on an index card, and I'm pacing back and forth in my hotel room until I can break through in the battle of my mind to say, in Jesus' name, I have the victory, and I'm going forward. Now, that may bother you. You may say, Pastor Rob, I thought you were God's man of faith and power. I can't believe that you'd have that same battle. I'm going to tell you, we all have the same battle. We all do, every single one of us. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesians, okay? He's writing to the church at Ephesus, and you've got to understand, he's telling them how to battle the enemy in spiritual warfare, and I want to let you know how mature this church was. The Apostle Paul started that church, and we know from the book of Acts that he spent three years there raising up elders. So you've got the Apostle Paul raising up elders for three years in a church. They have a pretty good foundation. On top of that, Timothy is their pastor. If you've ever read in the Bible First and Second Timothy, he's their pastor, okay? They're doing pretty good. That's not it. The Apostle John has left Jerusalem and has now moved his ministry to the church at Ephesus. And oh, by the way, he brought someone with him, Mary, the mother of Jesus. How many think the church is doing all right? Okay, so if that church is facing spiritual battle, and the Apostle Paul's like, put on the full armor, this is the battle, you got to know how to do this. If they needed advice and they were attacked, we are all going to get attacked. We are all going to be in a battle, and we've got to know how to win the spiritual warfare. Now, um, there's spiritual warfare all throughout the Bible, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to use volume to fight spiritual battles. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's like if you're dealing with spiritual warfare, you're like, in the name 
about Jesus. How many know and you get pretty piped up and you know you're pretty, you know, you don't have to do that, okay? There's nowhere in the Bible that says crank. Now, we're emotional people and sometimes we get emotional, but you don't need to do that because you have God backing you up. You don't need to yell. And sometimes when you have nothing backing you up, you need to yell, all right? Let me illustrate this. Becca and I, a uh, previous home that we owned, had a hot tub on the deck. We don't have one now, but on that home we did. Loved it. Sit out and watch the stars at night. It was great. One night we were out on the deck. It was about quarter to 11, enjoying the stars, just sitting there in a the hot tub. Lights were off on the deck. And all of a sudden I noticed about five feet up in the air, there's this little red glow in our deck. I'm like, what in the world? So I kind of peer in and I realize there's a man standing on our deck. He's smoking a cigarette, and he's stealing my lawn furniture. Okay, now I'm in the hot tub, right? And he's like 15 feet away from me. And I'm thinking, I have one chance to scare this guy because, I mean, really? I mean, like, I'm going to take him, you know? (laughs) So... I've got to make myself sound as big as I can in this moment. And I just pulled it from where I don't know, but I just go, what are you doing on my deck? You know, I mean, and the guy goes running off. I mean, I scared Becca. She ran in the house. I mean, just use what you have, right? You know what I'm saying? I couldn't back it up, so I had to, you know, shout it and make it big, you know? If you ever notice, like, real tough guys are quiet. You know what I'm talking about? Go ahead. Make my day. How many know that? I guess just right. But for the younger crowd, I'm Batman. I mean, how many know, like, he doesn't have to yell it. He just, you know, lays it out there, you know? So in spiritual warfare, we don't have to yell it up and crank it up. It was really cool. In India, whenever they were dealing with spiritual warfare, they were just like, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. They didn't have to yell. They didn't scream. They didn't do that. It was just very calm and very normal. And I love the way that they had that approach. Now, we have amazing power of God, of God available to us, and it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process for us to grow in the ability to understand, to discern what God is doing, to discern what's going on in the realm of the spirit world, but it's very real, and we'll grow and we'll mature in this, and so I'm hoping this series will help. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, let me read this for you. These are the verses we're going to camp out on in a couple of weeks here. We'll be on this starting in verse 10 and going through 18. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, before we get into our first um, piece of the armor, 
Let me just take a couple of moments here to look at a few of these verses, and I want to let you know that each week we'll take a little bit deeper look at those verses between uh, 10 and 14, all right? So we're going to add a little bit, and we'll keep tearing those apart, but we'll look at a different piece of the armor each week. But in verse 10, I want to make it very clear to you, the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord. And, he mean, and what he says here, he writes it in such a way that he's saying, everything you need is in the Lord. When you go and fight a spiritual battle, it's not up to you, it's up to him. He's the one that has the strength, he's the one that has the power, he's the one that's going to give you the victory, and it's not up to you. If it's up to you, the world is in trouble. And he's saying all the power is in God, so be strong in the Lord. When I was in India, I wasn't doing it in my own strength, I was doing it in the strength of the Lord. That's how we're doing it. Now he says, put on the full armor of God, and it's ours. It's ours in the Lord. As we stay in a close, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, that armor is ours, okay? All these weapons that are there for us to fight this battle are ours as we stay in a close relationship with God. Now he says, stand against the devil. And I want to let you know how he means for us to stand against the devil. He doesn't mean for us to stand there with a sword like shaking and like we're like uh, all fearful because you got to remember the apostle paul had the picture of a roman soldier and a roman soldier wouldn't stand there with their sword trembling and i know some of us inside were trembling but we've got to understand the way that god wants us to be followers of jesus christ is with boldness he's saying it's in the lord and you have the boldness and i want you to stand against the enemy and I want you to have boldness. And the way that the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, I want you to look eye to eye with him and have confidence in Jesus Christ. You are a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror. Matter of fact, we'll look at that. But do you realize that word more than a conqueror? The Apostle Paul made that up. It was a new word. It didn't even exist in their time. He had to make a new word up to show how strong you are in Jesus Christ. And he said, stand against the enemy. And the best way I could illustrate this, the boldness, the confidence that we're supposed to have. How many remember back in the day when Mike Tyson was the heavyweight champion of the world? That guy had eyes that would just look through his opponents. And I watched a documentary about him. And he said, I would be in my dressing room waiting, getting ready. And he said, I'd be thinking, that guy could beat me. That guy could beat me. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed. And he said, but as soon as I left the room, I started saying to myself, I will beat him. I will beat him. I will destroy him. I will crush him. And he said, I fixed my eyes on my opponent. And he said, and I didn't take my eyes off of him. And he said, I locked my eyes on my opponent. And the moment he looked away from me, I knew I had him. That's how we're supposed to stand in Christ Jesus. Locking our eyes on the enemy, realizing we have the power of Jesus Christ on our side. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And he's not going to defeat us. Now he says, stand against the devil's schemes. And just to let you know, the word schemes there means the road he's going to travel. The devil is going to attack us the very same way. He has one playbook that he keeps running over and over again. And no matter where you go in the world, people are being attacked the very same way. I've preached on every continent except Antarctica, all right? I've been around to these other countries, other continents, and I have seen the same attack. People are jealous. Why do they have that and I don't? 
People are saying, I'm not going to honor God with my finances. People are fighting and having marriage and divorce. People are having the same problems with lust, same problems with gossip, same problems with anger, same battle in the mind. And this tells us the way that he wrote it. He said, there's a road that he travels. There's a road, and he's coming after all of us the same exact way. Some of you drew great strength when you heard that I battled in India the same way you do. You thought that's exactly the same way I get attacked. That's because that's the way he attacks us all. It's the same play. Okay, so he said, I want you to stand against the devil's schemes. And then he says this, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now I want to let you know, he was saying wrestling in a way different way than we know wrestling. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know, uh, are you fans of wrestling? When I was a kid, I was a big fan of wrestling. Nick Bockwinkle, The Crusher, Baron Von Roschke, uh, The Sheik. How many know those names? I mean, we used to go to early service at church, not to make room for everyone at the late service. We did it so we could get home in time to see wrestling. Oh, man, you know, that's what I'm talking about. And so we'd get ready and watch that. But how many know that it was, it was pretty scripted? It's pretty scary. I mean, the good guys win, the bad guys would win, you know, and the referee would always turn around, and you're like, how do you not see that? Come on, seriously. But that's not what the Apostle Paul was talking about. The Apostle Paul was talking about wrestling in a way that was the toughest sport in their culture. Wrestlers would fight to the death. Wrestlers, matter of fact, they had a saying in their culture. They said, if your son is a wrestler and you heard that he was injured, don't believe it he's dead. Because they said, you don't get injured, you go to the death. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, we wrestle against spiritual forces. And what he meant was, this is a life and death battle. This is serious. Matter of fact, I love what the message translation says about this. It says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. That's what the Apostle Paul understood. And the one that is most tenacious will win. The one that says, I will fight to the end. You have not uh, had victory over me. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to keep fighting. That person wins. And I will tell you this. If you are going to take ground for Jesus Christ, you are going to fight and you're going to have battles. You're going to have battles. You say, I'm going to tithe. Then you're going to have a battle come against you. You say, I'm going to teach. You're going to have a battle come against you. You're going to say, we're going to invite people over for a Bible study. You're going to have battles. And some of you say, well, that's why I don't do anything, because I don't want any battles. <laughs> Wrong attitude. Wrong. You're going to have battles, but you, you fight, and you fight, and we wrestle, and we're going to keep fighting until we win. And you may say, the devil is beating me and beating me and beating me, but I'm telling you what, he's going to slip up and you're going to get him in a submission hold and it's over, all right? I'm telling you, that's the way it works. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And it's punch, counterpunch, punch, counterpunch. And you keep going until you win. And God says the victory is ours. So we don't quit. And some of you think that this is an easy thing following the Lord. There is a battle that goes on, and you're going to have to learn to fight this battle and be victorious in Jesus Christ. Now, I said, I want you to put on the whole armor of God, all right? And I want to let you know that he was well, you know, he knew the full armor of, of God. He knew what the Roman soldiers had. 
because he was chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. He was in prison, chained to a soldier, and for two years, he was chained to a soldier, and so he knew the armor that they had. And so he's developing this illustration for us in Ephesians 6, and he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, I want to just point something out to you that sometimes God starts a work in you, and then he develops it, makes it a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, he's got some armor here. That was 10 years earlier. So 10 years earlier, he's working on this. The Lord's kind of given him this illustration, and he's got a couple of pieces of armor. 10 years later, while he's been chained 24-7, he's developed this illustration now, and God has it for him, which we get the benefit in Ephesians chapter 6. So he tells us, uh, you've got this armor. You've got to put on the armor of God to stand against the enemy. And he says, all right, here, are you ready? The first thing you need is a belt. Just a belt. And kind of like, that's not very, I mean, we got breastplate, we got swords, we got helmets. Could you start with something a little more exciting, Paul? I mean, we, you know, you tell us, we start with a belt. I mean, why is a belt so important? Because if you don't have your belt, you have pants on the ground, pants on the ground, <laughs> looking like a food. <laughs> I just had to do that. <laughs> have you ever noticed, like, teens wear their belts down here, adults are here, like seniors for some reason? They just, uh, it's like. All right, here's why he said a belt, all right? He said the belt of truth. The belt of truth. And that's the foundational piece. And for a Roman soldier, it was the foundational piece. And the Apostle Paul would have watched a Roman soldier get up every day, and when he'd get up to get dressed, he would take and put his belt on first. Now, his belt was important because it had a notch in it where his shield would lodge right into the belt. It was very important because his sword had a holding spot right in that belt. His lance had a spot. This belt was important. Matter of fact, when it says your loins gird with the belt of truth, here's what it meant to gird your loins. They would wear longer gowns. They would wear longer gowns and they have the belt on. And when they'd go into battle, they would take their longer gowns and gird them. They would tuck it into the belt. They would tuck it in because they didn't want anything to impede their running or their fighting. They didn't want to get caught on anything, so they would actually tuck in their clothes into their belt. And this isn't the only place that we hear about having our lo- girding our loins and doing this. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, God tells Moses, he said, when, the, when my people eat the Passover meal, tell them to gird their loins and have their, their staff in their hand. They're getting ready to go and do something for me, so they need to tuck in their clothes and get ready because you're going on the move for me. So the picture here is we need to have truth and we need to be ready for action. And the thing that we need is a belt of truth. And I want to tell you this. I believe that the word of God is the belt of truth. Now, some of you say, Pastor Rob, I thought the sword, I thought the sword was the word of God. Yes, and you're going to see that in an upcoming week. You'll have to come back for that, all right? But we'll fill it up a little bit more. But I'm going to tell you this right now. The belt of truth is this. It is God's word. 
It is the foundational piece to your spiritual warfare, and I can sense this. I know that there are people that say, in the same way the belt is not that exciting, you're kind of like, oh, no, really? The first, it's, it's the Bible, right? Now you're going to tell us to read the Bible, Pastor Rob, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes. Okay? I'm going to tell you this right now. This is the belt you need spiritually. This is the belt every day. Every day you need to be in God's word. And I think the reason that so many in the church are weak, so many in the church are losing the battle in the mind, so many in the church don't have the authority and the power of God in their life is because you're not reading the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The writer of Hebrews in chapter five says, you should be mature. You should know how to rightly divide the word of truth, but you don't. And he's saying basically, your immaturity is based on the fact that you don't know how to divide the word of truth. You don't know how to study this thing. This is what you need. This is the spiritual belt that will help you grow. And that's why we're so strong about something around here called SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's right on our website. You go, we assign a chapter of the Bible every day. It's right there on the website. You can download a little thing, print it up, put it in your Bible, and have it with you. Have a chapter a day to go ahead and read. We ask you to write down one scripture that stands out to you. What do you observe about that? How can you apply it to your life and then pray about it? I'm telling you what, that's where the strength is. Matter of fact, today, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you're struggling in your marriage, 1 Corinthians 7 is about that. If you're struggling being single, that's, it's about that too. If you're struggling with sexual immorality, that's in chapter 7. Some of you, that's right where the enemy's attacking you. And if you'd go into the word of God, the word of God would speak to you and all of a sudden you'd have the truth about your situation and God would give you the strength you need. This is the belt of truth and you need to put it on every day. Some of you say, well, Pastor Rob, you know, I thought that that's what you were supposed to do. You're supposed to read the Bible. You're supposed to read those books and, and take the time during the week and, and do that. Let me tell you this. All I do is tighten the belt that is on you. That's all I do. You put the belt on every day, and I tighten the belt when you come here on the weekends. It's kind of like when I was a kid, I would, I would go ice skating, and I had to learn how to tie my own skates. And they were kind of tight, but how many know those days that dad would be at the rink and he would tighten the skates? It was way better. I put the skates on and then dad would crank them until they almost hurt. But man, that was good. Okay? So you put the belt on and then you come to church on the weekend. I'll tighten it a little bit till it hurts, okay? But it'll be in love. That's the way it's supposed to work. No belt, no victory. I'm telling you that. And some of you, you, you just say, well, it's, uh, I've read it before. Wrong attitude. Daily, daily in his word, reading this, letting it speak to us, saying, God, memorizing it. Memorizing and saying, God, I want this to be part of my life. Had I not even had my Bible with me, those scriptures that I quoted, I have those memorized. I have those memorized, and I could quote them out and say them. You need that. It's the word of God. It's the belt of truth. So the decision is yours. 
You going to start that battle against the enemy with the belt of truth or not? Because if you don't, you will not be able to gird your loins. You will not be able to have everything else in place. You'll be saying, I'm standing in faith, but your shield is falling. You don't have it. It's the foundational piece. And I want to ask that we have a greater commitment to the word of God in this church. Not just on the weekend. Every one of us, every day, reading the Word of God. If you want to read more than the chapter a day, by all means, read more. But we've made it so easy for you to read one chapter a day and to say, God, speak to me through your Word. So I want to lead us in a prayer of repentance and a prayer of rededication to God's Word that we could say, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around our waist. So Lord, I pray right now that we would do that. We would stand firm against the enemy with the belt of truth buckled around our waist. We know everything we need is in you. We know everything that we need to fight the enemy comes from you. And it's an amazing gift that we have your word. We've been given this, a tangible thing that we can read, that we can memorize, that we can hold in our hands. And Lord, I pray that we'd not neglect your word. I pray that we would be people that would study it, that we would handle it correctly, and we would be able to say, Lord, we love your word. We love your word. And I pray that as a church, we would be strengthened as we daily go to your word, read it, and apply it to our lives. So I pray for that. We repent of that, that we've not loved your word enough. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to read it, to memorize it, to study it, and to make it become part of our life. Help us to have the belt of truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.